and Leon's getting larger. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky. Okay, campers, rise and shine, and don't forget your booties, because it's a cold one there today. Ah, that's my uh, ode to Groundhog Day. It's cold outside, and <laughs> just like Groundhog Day, I'm sure we'll be talking about recruits and walk-ons and strength and conditioning and, and what it's going to take to get over the hump tonight. So, looking forward to it. Honky, I've really enjoyed your um, photographs of your car's temperature gauge every <laughs> morning. I'm like, oh, it's negative seven. Oh, it's negative 22 or whatever. Negative 33. Yeah, it just gets to be a point so stupid. It's like, well, <laughs> okay, negative 33, whatever. Who cares? It's just, it's cold, yeah. folks. It's like we live in Minnesota or something. <laughs> I'm also with Mac. What's up, Redcasters? Yeah, I'd just like to encourage everyone to uh, download this episode and not listen to it with uh, any electricity use. We're really trying to uh, shed some load, as they say, in the energy <laughs> business. So we're just doing our bit to help. Right now we're running off a of candlelight and um, hamster power. That's right. That's right. Also with Boomer. Yeah, speaking of Groundhog Day, I'm looking forward to uh, talking about the you know Big Ten baseball schedule that we've all... Oh, wait, no. <laughs> That again, huh? Okay, never mind. Yeah, another week passes and no uh, official word, even though it seems like there's a lot of unofficial rumors out there uh, that we could discuss later in the show. Uh, well, Honk, you know, another um, actually a somewhat quiet week in the off season. We had, I don't think there was any transfers out or transfers in last week, right? It sounds crazy, I know. We didn't add anyone new. I mean, it's just kind of a, a good old off season week here. They were probably frozen. <laughs> the portal is frozen. That probably explains yeah, the portal it. is frozen shut. No one's going anywhere. <laughs> the doors are jammed shut on the portal right now. No one can get in or out. Well, uh, speaking of the, the portal and recruiting news, Honky, you just want to maybe run through some of our most pertinent uh, recruiting tidbits uh, from last week? Yeah, there was a good Omaha World Herald article. Sam McEwen, those guys, they – wrote about the success of in-state kids this year and how it's going to be a challenge to get all of them. And we have a mailbag question a little bit later about that that Mac I know is going to get into. But, you know, Omaha Central offensive tackle Deshaun Woods and Burke linebacker Devon Jackson and Bellevue West tight ends Micah Riley-Ducker, Caden Helms, and Mac, you brought him up a couple of weeks ago, uh, Columbus linebacker Ernest Hausman. I mean, there's just there's a lot of kids, and they're going to be tough ones to get, as they are every year for Nebraska. Um, Frost and company is going to go after them as hard as they can. And we'll see. We'll see what happens. Some of this will depend on, I think, how the season goes, too. I, some people are saying they already kind of know where these guys are going or aren't going, and I'm not quite ready to jump on any of that. Let's see how the season goes, and I like how our staff goes after these kids. So that's a hope there. And One thing that did catch my eye as I saw it was Pat Fitzgerald. He did a, a tweet, uh, the Northwestern coach, and he tweeted out, you know, recruits, if you can't commit on the spot, it's not an offer. Be safe out there. It's your future. Hashtag go Cats. And it was just kind of an interesting thing there because right now out of all the Power 5 schools, they have the second fewest offers out. They have 48 offers out. And the crazy thing is, uh, I'll ask you, Dave, trivia question. Do you know who has the least amount right now? Um, no, I don't. I'll guess uh, Iowa. No, and it's somebody that you wouldn't expect this to be. It was a Frost mentor uh, coach. It was UCLA, and, wasn't it? UCLA has like 44 out, so not really sure why Chip Kelly hasn't. Chip Kelly, 
is a very slow play on his recruiting. That's been the case. I've I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah. I believe they call it lazy, and people aren't happy with it. <laughs> if, if I'm not mistaken, that's been an issue. <laughs> that's another way to say it, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, Nebraska, we're number four on that list. We've had 322 offers out there. So uh, that's probably more than, you know, are committable, correct? It, well, Honky, let me ask, though, is how much does Northwestern have? 48? They have 48. And all 48 of those are committable, is that right? Correct. So Pat Fitzgerald can sign 48 players this year? Yeah, uh, Fitzgerald has a, a waiver from the NCAA that allows him, oh. if he has 48 or 54 or 72, whatever amount of offers he ends up with, that's always at the uh, the correct amount, you know, so he's... They're all committable if you're a Northwestern fan. Interesting. But from Nebraska's standpoint, we have 322 out there. That's not the most in the Big Ten. Boomer, I'll ask you, do you know who has the most of any Big Ten team right now? Ooh, the most in the Big Ten? Uh, I'll just say Maryland. Well, you're not far away, but Penn State. Penn State. Actually okay. has a few more. And uh, number one is Arizona State. Number two is Kansas. So I'm not sure what the rhyme or re- I'm trying to come up with, like, what's the connection? You know, are they schools that don't have a lot of recruits right in their area? But then you look at Arizona State and they and Penn State. I mean, they've, they've got plenty out there. So I'm not sure. Well, you know how unethical Herm Edwards is at Arizona State, <laughs> obviously. I mean, that guy. <laughs> that must be what it is. But That's right. Where does Minnesota rank in all this? I feel like Fleck would be a guy who would shotgun offers. They, they probably them. can't come up with that many names that would actually be willing to entertain an offer, Mac. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, Minnesota comes in 31st on this list with 159. You know, other Big Ten schools of note, Michigan State is number eight at 289. Michigan is number 15 with 217. Maryland does have 188. That's number 24. And Dave, you weren't far off uh, when you said Iowa for the least amount. They are in at number 58. They only have 67 out. And Wisconsin has 60 out. So, you know, they're number 60, actually. So, obviously, Nebraska's on the high end. But there's schools that have upwards of they're in the 200s and, you know, close to 300 as well. And some of them just, they're not offering as many, and they traditionally don't. Northwestern also has different, you know, academic standards. They can't just offer as many kids as, as most other schools could. That's true. All right, hey, you know, Mac, um, uh, I have been monitoring the uh, the transfer portal a little bit, um, as I imagine uh, the Husker coaches are, and I did see an interesting name come across with uh, Tyler Show of Oregon, uh, the starting quarterback for the Ducks last year for the majority of the year, I believe. In the transfer portal, you, you think that's a, a name that uh, Husker coaches will be following closely here? Oh, I, I I bet they definitely put out some feelers about this kid to see what he is, uh, his interest and leans are. Uh, it makes a lot of sense on a lot of different reasons. You know, I know we had a text chain about this earlier, but he's got three years to play, so you could possibly convince yourself to thinking this kid's willing to come in here, maybe sit or back up Martinez or or challenge with a starting job, um, and then still, if he doesn't win it, have a couple more years to play. But I don't know how realistic it is that we're going to get him. I know people have different feelings about whether that's a good idea or not. But at the end of the day, the coaching staff needs to look at it. you really can't afford to miss this. We gotta have we gotta have uh, answers at that quarterback position this year. It's year four, so uh just saying we really hope Adrian's gonna get her done isn't gonna be enough. Someone else is gonna have to be ready if, if he were to stumble or get injured. Yeah. At the end of the day they have to get it right, whether they bring in somebody or don't. That's just what has to happen this year. You know, we talked about with Martinez you know, he hasn't made it through a season, but 
no quarterback at Nebraska's made it through a season under Frost so far. You know, when Bunch came in in year one, he was, you know, got beat around a bit. And then when Noah Vedral plays, he gets beat around. Luke was hit up pretty good. So it doesn't matter if a guy gets out there. They tended to get injured, it seemed like. In fact, I would say that Martinez has shown to be quite versatile and hold up pretty well when you consider all things, you know, how much he's played. And what we've talked about on enough shows now is that from a X's and O's standpoint, from a coaching standpoint, is we probably need to rethink how we use that quarterback, no matter who it is. You know, the 25 carries a game seems to be detrimental to whoever we're putting behind center. And, Mac, we've talked about this enough, is let's give them running backs that we can hand the ball off to consistently, one, two, and three, right. and let's take some of that load off of those guys. And I'm comfortable with the players we have in that room right now. I personally, me, I am. But if he goes down in game one, it's either Smothers better be the guy or, you know, if right. there's a chance to bring someone else in that can is willing to play that backup role. That's where I kind of land on this, too. It's like he makes a lot of sense. He's in the similar offense. He would It wouldn't be – the fact that he's not going to be here for spring ball doesn't matter as much with him as it would another quarterback. He's got game experience, which is something we sorely lack in our backup position. So, you know, I don't think he's coming here. But that type of quarterback, that situation that we we're just discussing, uh, that's definitely it needs to be it needs to be looked at. I mean, he's been Frost has been burned by lack of depth at kicker, you know, multiple years, even quarterback his first year. I just he can't afford to do it again. And I don't know if that upsets the apple cart to bring somebody in here. I don't care. You know, yeah. it doesn't really matter. Uh, we need to make sure that we have guys that can go in and, and play. And yes, they may be on campus, but there's really, we actually, there's no way to know that. Even Frost doesn't know that yet because they've never been in games and played. So if you get somebody in there who's been in live action, get them and then still try to develop the other guys. You know what I mean? I just don't know if that guy is out there. Yeah. In the perfect world, if there's a guy in the portal who has starting game experience at the P5 level, and he's transferring from a school and is willing to come here and basically play the good soldier backup role for a year. I mean, he might be rolling the dice that he thinks he can take Adrian out. I mean, that's possible, but that's... My point is, like, if if there's that person and it's the right fit, by all means, go for it. I mean, that's a lot of ifs, though, too, you know, to find that kind of, that kind totally. of person. We've talked about the non-negotiable that we have with the running back spot is that we need to have one, two, and three of guys that could go 20, 25 carries in any game. That's the non-negotiable for that position. For me, the non-negotiable with the quarterback spot is you have to have a one-two. And I'm not saying it's not Smothers. It can absolutely be Martinez and Smothers. And the coaching staff, it's to it's up to them getting through spring ball and everything. They have to have some feel for Smothers. Where is he at? But you really need one-two. I've heard people say three. or Frost has said he'd love five in that room. The reality is most any year, you really need to go one-two deep minimum. And those two have to be pretty much interchangeable at times. I mean, even look at Clemson a year ago or whatever. I mean, you're going to get down to your second quarterback. If you're getting down to number three, most schools are going to be in a boatload of pain if it, if it gets to that point, no matter who they are. Yep, that's right. Well, that depends a little bit on how the starting quarterback out of the gate plays, but you're right. Yeah. But it's safe, But if Adrian were to come out and struggle, then we're really in a, we're in a pickle. <laughs> now think about that, though. To that point there, Mac, we're in a load of trouble. If our fourth year starting quarterback is having performance issues on the field, yeah, it's not going to look good on anyone. Yeah. When people are talking about bringing in somebody because of health concerns or, you know, keep making sure that we're keeping our starter upright the whole season and we haven't been able to do that the last three years, I'm totally okay with that discussion. Right. But if the discussion is we need to bring this guy in because our starter might not have a great season, that's a whole different ballgame. And 
we really can't afford to have our fourth-year starting quarterback, third-year uh, captain by that point, not have a great season right. performance-wise. He needs to get out there and play right. well. That was doomsday. That was a doomsday scenario just yep. for you redcasters out there. <laughs> well, Mac, what is – I mean, what is your – best scenario is it what as honky's described that we go through spring practice and logan smothers emerges as a clear strong number two that suddenly you're now like actually in the transfer portal looking for a third stringer or is the better alternative is that logan does advance during spring ball but you bring someone in uh, that's more experienced than him to be your your backup you know, if I could know that Logan was going to be a serviceable backup, I could probably ride with that and then maybe try to address a transfer in a different position like outside linebacker. Somebody, not that that's even really the issue. It's not really the limit of scholarships. But um, but just if we're talking about the quarterback position, what I think would be a better scenario to play out for a more successful season than, right. than Honky's version of it because that means that we've recruited – the right guy. We've, we've isolated the right guy and we've developed a guy we've had on campus. That's more, that shows more signs of progress as a program and as a coaching staff to me than it is to bring in another guy that you really had nothing to do with his development. And then he comes in and he's, he's lights out. That almost tells me that we don't know what we're doing. But I mean, that's, that's kind of me just off the cuff. No, that, that's fair. That's a fair assessment, I think. So, I mean, I guess, you know, as we watch spring ball, it's going to be really interesting to, yeah, see Logan Smothers play uh, uh, at the spring game and, and hear what the coaches are, are saying from an evaluation standpoint and then ultimately what their actions are when it comes to whether they bring a, a quarterback in through the transfer portal or not. It's going to be the most interesting spring ball of all time. <laughs> That's what I heard. And you, and, you know, Dave, you said transfer portal, and maybe this will be a, a weekly a segment that we'll add is, you know, are there national people that are entering the, the transfer portal? Because, again – only Nebraska is affected by this, as we all know. The sixteen hundred other kids that are in it—that's, you know, it's only Nebraska. But uh, uh, transfer portal update: Ben Davis, a former five-star inside linebacker, he's leaving Alabama and uh, entering the transfer portal. And, and I've spent zero time reading up on him. I don't know. He probably, maybe he was a starter, maybe he wasn't. But but Alabama is losing former five stars to the to the transfer portal too. And we mentioned starting linebacker from Clemson a couple weeks ago. It, this is the the madness offseason for sure of the portal. Um, I'll be curious to see what the portal looks like a year and two and three years from now. Does it start to settle down more? But right now, it's still crazyville, and and actually the fact that Dave we haven't had any movement in the last week, <laughs> hey, thumbs up. That's right, do, do you right. think the transfer portal is going to be in the new NCAA game? It'd have to be. That I would hope so. I would imagine it'd have to be. If I mean, it has yeah. to be right. And waiver rules that'll be fun. What an exciting new game we'll have. <laughs> Can you hire analyst? <laughs> yeah. Likely. That Likely. talk out loud on the sideline? <laughs> but I can't coach. <laughs> I can't coach. Get over here. <laughs> uh, that's great stuff. Well, Hockey, you said you, you didn't read anything about Ben Davis whatsoever. Do you realize that's uh, former Nebraska quarterback Bo Davis's uh, nephew? I did not. No, I had no idea. I'm totally making it up. Sorry, I just I had, to, I had to get you going for a second. Oh my gosh, Dave! I was like doing the math. I'm like, what? Wow. I, How? I guess Maurice Purify was Bobby Purify's uncle, wasn't he? Vice versa. I know. I think it was the other way. I think it was the other way. It was. Oh really? I think so. 
Boomer, you have to look into the Purify family for us while we... Uh, Please do. That's a lot of family tree you're going to have to dig through here. Well, Ancestry.com is available, so... That's true, yeah, we'll, we'll check we on that. We can cut this out if I'm wrong, but I'm saying that Bobby Purify was Maurice Purify's nephew. All right, let's fact check that. Uh, well, Hawk, as, as Boomer takes a deep dive onto Ancestry.com, let's, uh, let's talk about um, some of the uh, articles that we've read on Hell Varsity this week. You know, I've really been enjoying my Hell Varsity membership, and uh, Redcasters, you can also enjoy everything on uh, HellVarsity.com, their premium subscription, including their magazine. Uh, go on there, sign up for their monthly subscription, put in Redcast, you'll get a discount. We'll get a little bit of money, too, so it goes both ways. Uh, but hockey, you know, um, Derek Peterson, who we've been on his uh, his podcast a couple different times, had a great article about the size of the Nebraska offensive line and how it is gigantic. That's right. As most in Redcast Nation uh, recognize, size matters. And uh, if you look at our offensive line, it has been getting bigger. We are growing. And the average P5 offensive line signee over the last three years was 6'5", but the average offensive line signee for Nebraska is 6'7", over that same time period. So we are getting bigger. We're recruiting larger players than what the national average is at that. And as he says, in looking for progress, look no further than the construction of what's becoming the biggest O-line in the Big Ten. Oh, that sounds nice. Now, I think we've had this discussion. It's not just about the offensive line. It's it's also about the receivers getting bigger or the running backs getting bigger. And that's the trend, and that's the vision, and that's where we're going. And we all see that. And we think that that can play a big role in us getting over the hump. At the same time that I say that, the naysayers out there or the pessimists out there will hear that, and they'll just say, oh, my gosh, you know, it's just one more bit of hype about what we're doing. And the reality is, Unless we clean up the execution errors that we've had, unless we stop with the mistakes, you know, we'll continue to lose football games with just bigger dudes if we don't fix those things. So, I mean, everything's with the premise that we have to fix the mistakes. We have to fix the execution, okay? Because if not, we'll just be a 3-9 and team with really big dudes. But if we fix those things, that's the, that's the first thing. Then the, the second part of this is that imagine fixing those things and having the biggest line imagine having bigger backs imagine having bigger receivers that can win one-on-one battles and we're not shooting ourselves in the foot by snapping the ball over the quarterback's head all those things that's the combination you got to bring all that stuff together and i think that this thing can work here but right now you know the vision clearly is we're getting bigger and i think dr pd hit that in that article yeah absolutely honky you know uh, Boomer, uh, as Hockey um, started talking about how big the offensive line is, I kept on thinking of that the quote from the movie Airplane, where he, he talks about uh, getting larger. <laughs> and Leon's getting larger, that one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that sounds about right. But anyway, yes, uh, Maurice Purify is uh, Bobby Purify's uncle, so Mac was correct on that. Look at that. Wow. All right. Although Webster Slaughter was also uh, Bobby Purify's uncle as well. Really? So Maurice Purify and Webster Slaughter then are cousins. Yeah, and, and they're somehow related. And he's also related to James and Bobby Purify, the pop soul group from the '60s. So they sang uh, "I'm Your Puppet" if you remember that song, among others. Did a remake of "Shake a Tail Feather." So the Purify family tree, like I said, does have a lot of. A lot of branches to it, and a lot of interesting branches. So there we go. Very folks. talented family. Yeah, that's sneaky good. It is. All right, Boomer. I'm here to help. And frankly, me. 
You know, <laughs> I'm the one who led us down this rabbit hole. <laughs> That's right. Not me. I, I thought Ben Davis was Bo Davis's nephew. So I'm... <laughs> Hockey was intrigued for a second. He's like, hey, maybe we can get this guy. <laughs> you know, Bo Davis was treated so well for the program. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, Hockey, another good one from Hell Varsity was uh, Greg Smith, the recruiting guy, uh, who uh, always has, you know, Greg's guys and that type of stuff. And he had an article about um, the breakout player that he's identified from each of Frost's first three classes. Uh, so uh, let's talk about that a little bit. I think he started with twenty the 2018 class, and uh, Braxton Clark is a potential breakout. What do you think about that? Certainly, we think that if Clark didn't get injured a year ago, you know, he brings all the size that they want. Again, size, 6'3", 6'4", corner, and a Florida kid there that, you know, they felt like you know, he was going to have a, a good season last year, and then the injury happened to him. So certainly I think that's a, a good example there for one. His 2019 guy was Ramir Johnson that he thinks could have the breakout year, and Ramir would be going into year three. And I think that he potentially could kind of find his way with the running back spot. He could maybe find kind of his niche he, I think of him almost more as like a third down kind of back or something. Not He's definitely not the big back guy the way that Step is or, or Scott or maybe even Irvin coming in. Yeah, you know, Mac, I remember when Ramir Johnson was, was getting recruited. He was coming in the same year with Wandell. And sometimes people talked about their skill sets being somewhat similar. Could you see Ramir doing more of the Huskar position, actually? I think there's definitely a role for him to play in this offense because he he does absolutely have top end speed and and that's something that uh, the other running backs we mentioned are, are all maybe a little more complete. I don't know with maybe the exception of uh, Sevian. I've heard I've heard Sevian's fast, but um, I think he's probably our fastest top end back and faster than than Wandell, frankly, in, in, in as far as top end speed goes. So yeah, anytime you can get a guy like that in space, that's fantastic. I don't think he's the guy that you would necessarily count on being your frontline guy. I think Honky's right. I think a third down role or something where we get him in motion, get him isolated in space. Um, that's where you can really utilize this, uh, that guy. And he really would add a role to this offense too, because we already know we're going to get longer and bigger in the tight end position. We're longer and bigger at the, at the wide receiver position. So if we could still add some speed that the linebackers have to cover, then who knows? Yeah. And those first couple plays, first down, second down, it's not that he couldn't be on the field, but it might not be in a, a running back role. It might be in that duck R role. Right. And I know there's a lot of questioning, especially with Wandell leaving, you know, who do we have around to be that next uh, duck R? And certainly I think uh, a player like Ramir could fit into that. Alante Brown could fit into that. Will Nixon, he had an injury, but he could be one of those players too. So now 2020, he has punter Daniel Cerny and Boomer, special teams coordinator, um, obviously not having our scholarship punter a year ago didn't help us and getting him back next year and having him play a full season, that could be, you know, highly beneficial. It, it does seem kind of strange to say a breakout player is going to be a punter, you know, of all, if anybody on a special teams, but we've flogged a necrotic equine here many times <laughs> on special teams and, and just how important it is and what we've missed on that. And, you know, like the article says, he comes from that pro kick Australia program, which has produced any number of quality punters here. And again, we've talked about how big of a game changer that can be. And you mentioned earlier, just all these little things we need to do, you know, we're getting bigger, faster, whatever, but. All these other things have to fall into place, and having a quality punter is one of those things that has to fall into place. Yep. And that can make a huge difference. Absolutely. I mean, getting a bigger offensive line is great, and it's huge towards what we want to get to. 
but it doesn't matter if we're kicking the ball off after a touchdown and they're returning it for scores. It it doesn't matter, you know, that we're getting bigger at cornerback if we allow the punters, the other teams, to keep running for first downs on us and, and extend drives. I mean, at some point, you know, the, the holistic part of the game has to come together, you know, under Frost. That's the thing. And he's made progress and he's made gains in so many areas on the field and on the team, but yet there's still these different gaps that they've, they've got to get fixed. And absolutely, uh, punter is one of those things. And so if we can get Daniel Cerny back there, that would be huge. You know, I wanted to maybe go around the table a little bit and see uh, if you guys had a breakout player from each year. Dave, how about 2018 out of that class? Who's someone that you maybe would see as a breakout player? Well, there's not a lot left out of that class, Honk, <laughs> so that's a tall order. Um, but, you know, I mean, one name that sticks out uh, on that list that I don't think there's a lot of expectations on, but we've already seen some glimpses uh, and, and could be up for big things here in 2021 would be Casey Rogers, I think, you know, mm-hmm. uh, D Lyman that's really sh- shown some flashes out there and uh, really looks like he could be a force um, for the next couple of years. So I'll go Casey Rogers. That's a good pick. Boomer, how about 2019? I'll go with you. Well, I'm going to rule out Wandella Robinson and Luke McCaffrey. (laughs) Maybe for another program, I don't know. But uh, uh, let's go a little different. We'll go with uh, Masai Newsom here. I think he's got just something a little different, you know, something on the defensive end position there. We'll see. Thelman's bound to make a name for himself. I want to be a little different with what's left of the 2019 class. Let's go with him. He's got a lot of potential. Yeah, Newsom was the first Iowa kid that we got under uh, the Frost regime. And Mac, when we talked with Sipple last year, Sipple brought him up as a guy that he thought maybe was going to have a breakout season even a, a year ago. And mm-hmm. I can't remember if, maybe if there was an injury or not with him, but uh, you know, it just didn't come to fruition a year ago. Yeah, he, he was pretty high on him, and I think that's a, a good pick. It'd be nice to have uh, an Iowa kid do good in Nebraska and make them pay for a change. Yep, good point. Well, Mac, I'll give it to you for 2020. Uh, who's, a, who's your breakout guy? Uh, my breakout guy is Xavier Betts. I mean, we saw him flash last year, but and and some of this is is just my heart's desire. <laughs> I really want to see him do well. I like his frame. I like the way he catches the ball. He seems like a sneaky good athlete. But there's also the added benefit that he's an Omaha guy. Uh, he was the wide receiver we did get, you know. But he was also a high ranking four star. So it'd be nice to turn one of those high ranking four stars into a productive player over a few years. So um, for a lot of reasons, and and not to mention his talent, um, I think he he could be a real breakout player for us. Yeah, you know, I was thinking I was going through those classes in 2018. Caleb Tanner is a guy that you know we thought at the time it would have been nice if he could have got a red shirt and he didn't. Well, as COVID turned out. He kind of got the red shirt a year ago. And, and he's still here, you know? Yeah, he's still here, and you know, he'd be a true senior now, a fourth-year player. Well, here he's going to be a red shirt junior now as it works out, and if that's the year that it works for him, great. I mean, great talent, and he was a great recruit when we got him. Love to see him you know, break out that way. 2019, Messiah Newsom actually was my guy, Boomer, so I think that's a real good pick. And 2020, Nico Cooper, Juco guy, came in here. He made his name a little bit last year on special teams. And we need that outside pass rusher. He's got the body type. He's a bigger, taller guy, 6'5", 6'6". So, you know, let's see what happens there with a a full offseason under his belt. Kind of cool, too, to have a kid come through special teams, make a little name for himself, and then see him get on the field. Like, it kind of harkens back to the old days, you know, where you'd see a kid, a young kid flash on special teams and then watch him grow into a role. Hey, Hawk, let me uh, flip this question on its head just a little bit and – 
we won't go through each class or anything like that, but is there one guy that you'd like to like point out and say like, wow, I mean, this is like a make it or break it type situation where like, you know, if he doesn't show himself this year, it's, it's kind of a bust, you know, is there someone like, you know, you know, you know, you hate to say that, but I mean, there's some guys that, you know, you're, we have not heard from yet. And, uh, is there anybody out there that comes to mind where you're like, boy, I'd, I'd really like to see something from this guy, uh, still left in his, his Husker career. Well, you know, we talk so much about wide receiver and how we brought in seven guys over the last 18 months that are six, two or taller. And we've been getting bigger there. And Jamie Nance is a kid that, you know, look, I hope the kid has a huge breakout year next year. But we're starting to get to a point where, you know, you could be getting recruited over if you don't produce, you know, within the first couple of years anymore at, at a position like that. You're right. I mean, I, we'd love to see some of those wide receivers that didn't seem to make an impact yet last year kind of bounce back, right? And mm-hmm. and suddenly uh, we might um, get some production out of some guys that just have have been a little slow in the development. Mac? Yeah, for me, on, on the defensive side of things, um, I look at a guy like you know Jackson Hanna, you know, a former four-star recruit. He's a linebacker, which was a kind of a position in need. We haven't heard hardly anything about the kid since he's been here. Um, but don't he may have been hurt, and or for different reasons he's not playing. But if he's not stiff in the field, you know, in the spring ball, we're not hearing his name. I don't know if he's going to hang around much longer, which sucks because then that's another four-star guy that didn't pan out. But I mean, <clears throat> now's the time. You know, I was thinking about like what Dr. Petey wrote too about how our O line size the last three years we've been bringing in guys that are six seven, you know, on average, and we have been really big dudes. But we've already seen some movement in that room. Matthew Anderson, six seven kid from a couple years ago, he has already transferred out. But other guys, you know, Jimmy Fritzky, Brant Banks, you know, those guys you either need to switch positions, maybe go into being a guard, maybe switch into the defensive line, or at some point, you know, we've brought in Ben Hart, we bring in Cohorn, we bring in Prochaska, you start to maybe get recruited over there too. So those are guys that they will need to kind of find that spot, you know, where they're going to play. And it might not always be at tackle. They may have to move in and, and move around. All right, all right, good stuff, Honk. You know, uh, another thing in the news uh, this week, read something about our uh, media rights with uh, Litterfield are up here soon. Uh, what's going on with that? Yeah, that was from uh, Husker Online, and they do some really good Big Red Business articles. And this one was about how Learfield IMG, that contract set to expire June 30th. Uh, the radio and marketing deal, it's worth at least $13.55 million a year. But what's interesting to me is like they were going over if we did, we had options. And one of the options was we could do it all in-house, not even farm it out to somebody else to do. So that's option one. But another option is that there's competition to Learfield IMG, who they are happy with. But the competition, one of them is like um, Jerry Jones, the the Cowboys owner. And I think that they said there was a deal that they did with like Georgia Tech and it was $40 million a year. That's crazy numbers. I, I know. Has the Redcast been able to match that with our, uh, with our proposal to the university? <laughs> we put in our bid for, I think it was free pogo cards for all senior staff and then we offered to snow blow uh, memorial stadium's driveway <laughs> so we'll see how it goes i mean i thought given the current circumstances that might be a decent deal i think it's worth a shot hey, you yeah. know it's a pandemic you know georgia tech uh it's called legends is the uh one that jerry jones started up and georgia tech they started a, a 400 million dollar 11 year contract for about 36.4 million a year so compare that to our current one with img with 13.55 and you're talking about almost tripling it if you did what Georgia Tech did. Intriguing. Hmm. 
Well, that doesn't seem like a hard decision. I mean, <laughs> hello? Yeah, especially given, like, pandemic fallout and stuff like that. You'd think schools are going to be looking for right. the best ways to maximize revenue, at least in the in the near future. I mean, everyone's going to be digging out of a hole, so it might still be next year. So, yeah, I, I could easily see that switch being made, or at least used as a bidding tool anyway. I can't wait to hear the new 30 commercials during the coaches' broadcast. That's going to be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys know if any universities do have their own in-house marketing group? You know, from the article there, that would be pretty unique if Nebraska took all of this in-house. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, there could be advantages to doing that in terms of what you keep, you know, versus what you're giving away when somebody else is doing it. But you're also having to hire people to do it. And you're having right. to, you know, you're, you're responsible for it. So, you know, it just kind of depends what your long-term goals are. But in a, in a year where you've had to lay off a lot of people, it might not be a bad idea to create a whole bunch of new jobs, too. So who knows? That's a that's interesting uh, possibility. Yeah, that's a good point, Mac. You know, speaking of retaining uh, jobs, uh, the assistants all got <laughs> extensions, uh, right, Hunk? Yeah, everyone except for Tuyoti right now got the extension. And I've heard that his is coming or, you know, maybe there's a negotiation thing. I'm not sure. Not, there's no concern about Tuyoti going anywhere, or let's put it that way. But okay. basically they extended everything in one year uh, for the assistants for us. Made it clear they didn't. Nobody got any raises, and he basically said, "Let's wait on raises until we've shown it on the field with the wins, and we're all on board with that, right? Yeah, go out and win nine, ten, eleven, twelve games next year, and and you'll get your huge raises, and we will all all approve of that." Well, didn't Dawson get a raise though? Yeah, but that was already set into his contract. Okay, so he came here, you know, for like three hundred and fifty something like that, and he's his contract was set to go up to I think it's like five hundred thousand. Then even okay. a year from now, it goes up another like 50 and that's something that people have been talking about yeah where as his contract is going up to this amount which is basically as much as our offensive coordinator lubick makes would it make sense to add a coordinator position onto his title then should he be special teams coordinator he's done that in the past yep and maybe that is what's going to happen here i mean i don't know what's played out with that special teams analyst that was up right um but uh certainly we have people that are capable on staff yeah Dawson being one of them, and then the analyst we did bring in, Bill Bush, too. Kind of interesting to see if they try to do some kind of combo there to, to handle special teams. Yeah, that was kind of some of the, the scuttlebutt around the uh, message boards was the uh, the pay raise might coincide with a bit of a title change. And maybe that was the intention going forward, or maybe it wasn't, or maybe that's just going to be a consequence of where they are right now. But I wouldn't be surprised if, some of, if something got announced along those lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. It makes some sense potentially that Dawson has some influence on who is hired as that analyst, right? And maybe it was, you know, why uh, Jonathan Rutledge and, and Dawson maybe didn't quite work out, right? So it's interesting. Maybe. Uh, you know, Honk, uh, the Redcast was pretty excited about uh, going to Dublin this August for the Nebraska-Illinois game. But um, what do you think the odds are that's still happening? Yeah, we were reading an article there that Sip did, and he, you know, his contacts pretty much said that that Ireland trip seems highly unlikely this this year, and that's not a shocker to any of us. I wouldn't plan on Nebraska playing Illinois in Dublin, not this year. But what was interesting was he said that there are some preliminary discussions about NU playing in Ireland in 2022, and if you look at the schedule and how things could match up, the school that seems to be make the most sense is the other Illinois school in conference, Northwestern. 
so if it would work out to play Northwestern, which would be their home game, Nebraska's not going to want to give up a home game. But if Nebraska would fly out there, uh, play Northwestern in 2022, that could potentially be a, a possibility. On shorter grass, too. That'd be fantastic. Absolutely, yeah. Have they ever said how much money we you get for playing in a place like Ireland? I mean, I don't. I'm not sure what the advantage is to most teams otherwise. I mean, it's certainly not recruiting. I mean, we're not, you know, getting a huge wide receiver out of Dublin or anything like that. Or, you know, Cork County is a hotbed of tight ends. I don't know. Well, but, uh, you say that now, Boomer. Go to Ireland. That's it. <laughs> Done. It's a good, it could be a recruiting tool to say that, hey, come to Nebraska and we have such clout that we can, you know, actually go play a football game in Ireland. Right. Uh Mac, to, to your point about the short gla- grass, I wouldn't necessarily guarantee that, considering Northwestern's coach is Pat Fitzgerald. That's just um, true. He might have uh, some inside connections over there in uh, Ireland. So Our head coach is clearly of Nordic descent, so that won't help us. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, it's a good point, Dave. <laughs> He's got some German in him, too, but yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think the Irish is going to help a whole lot with Frost. Uh <laughs> All right, well, uh, hockey, uh, anything else on football before maybe we uh, talk a little, little basketball? Well, the last thing, and maybe the transition into basketball, was that Sip, in his article, he had some quotes from Athletic Director Moose over the last week, and it was with both football and basketball. You know, with football, we had a 2020 schedule originally that would have allowed us to get some momentum and get three or four wins, hopefully, ideally, under our belt. And if you have four wins, you're two away from a bowl game, and you've got eight games left. But, you know, we went out and played. We won some, lost some, ended on a good note, had a good recruiting year, lost some kids in the portal. That's going to happen every year for every school. Hey, our sleeves are rolled up and we're working hard. I like the direction our programs are going. And so, you know, there was support there that came from the athletic director. There was support that came from the university president, Ted Carter, uh, a couple days ago as well for Frost. And I think that this is important. I hear some people, you know, poo-poo that is what else are they supposed to say or whatever. But, look, I've said from day one, Right now, our leadership at the university, from coach all the way up to president and everyone in between, chancellor, athletic director, and all that, they're on the same page. And the fact that we're not having any kind of dysfunction between that isn't a small deal because we've seen it in prior regimes at Nebraska. We've seen that be an issue. And so I don't mind one bit that we have these guys coming out here and and having a unified voice in support of our coach. Um, You know, I think we all want to see this guy win, right? I hope. I hope there's not some fan out there that's you know so frustrated with things that they don't want to see this current staff win. I want to see the staff win, and I like that our leadership is showing that support. Yeah, I agree with the statement. It sounds like exactly what I kind of think in my mind when I replay it in the most happy moments. But that you know that's kind of what I think. I, I could I could justify it exactly how Moose just did, and and I have to other people. Mm-hmm. So I guess I don't have a problem with a guy showing support for his coach, even though it's been rocky. I, and people want to make it sound like he's protecting him. But, I mean, at the same time, it's like maybe he thinks that way, you know. And maybe that's the actual truth. And that's kind of how I, I tend to lean for this program. It, it's funny because, like, what if he said something else, right? <laughs> I mean, it gets so frustrated with our local media sometimes when they, like, complain about how Frost is too optimistic about his team. And I'm like, what is he supposed to say? Yeah, we, we suck and we're not going to win next year. And I don't know if you guys are going to keep me. I'm gonna, probably going to get fired. No, he's not going to say that. That's ridiculous. Of course he's going to gonna have some optimism about uh, the next year. Same thing with Moose with his coaching staff, right? I mean, until mm-hmm. it gets to a point of no return, you're going to lend their support. It, it's ridiculous. And now, Nebraskaball. Well, let's move on to the basketball side of what Moose was talking about. 
and he was referring to the COVID break that obviously the team just had. And he said, not only are you not playing, you're not really practicing and you're getting out of shape and losing your focus. Then you come back and the schedule doesn't get any easier. And he goes, bottom line, I think we're a better team than last season. I think we have better players. I think we're well coached. But a combination of how tough the league is, a lot of new players, and then COVID hit have all contributed to our record. I think that quote, Dave, was even from before the last three games that we played. That is and correct. I think we were talking before the show, you know, Illinois game and then the, the victory over Penn State and then what we just played tonight, Maryland. You know, we've been playing pretty competitive basketball here at least the last three games. No, absolutely. Let, let's start with the the, uh, the biggest positive there, Boomer, and that is uh, the victory against Penn State on Sunday, um, less than 48 hours after a – Heartbreaking loss at home versus Illinois, but you know the the Huskers had a a big eleven point lead, um, six or seven minutes to go in that game. I think they still had that lead, um, and they just went ice cold, as you've illustrated on numerous graphs before, um, and uh, gave up that lead to Penn State at twelve straight Nittany Lion points. But um, Teddy Allen, Teddy Buckets found a bucket at the end, and some great defense by Derek Walker and others. Uh, Got us our first victory in 26 attempts, I believe, dating back to um, an Indiana game a long time ago in, in early 2020. Previous to that was that Illinois game, right, that we almost had and um, uh, lost in overtime. So a really good sequence there over the weekend um, for Husker basketball. First off, as far as the graphs go, you know, for kids out there getting into algebra and geometry and stuff, those zero slope graphs are the easiest to draw. Just a horizontal line, you know, <laughs> that can be Nebraska Nebraska ball scoring and in, in far too many games. But uh, yeah, there were a lot of positives just this whole week. I mean, despite the the hurdles this team's had, you know, Moose said it. They've barely been able to practice. They haven't been able to, you know, stay in basketball shape. But man, since coming back from COVID, they've actually looked decent. I mean, they've could and probably should have beaten, you know, top 10 Illinois. That game was close. And, you know, they beat Penn State and probably should have beaten them handily, you know, outside of that eight minutes scoring drought. And, right. You know, tonight we're recording this game after Maryland, and they had a lot of opportunities in that game. How many turnovers did they generate against Maryland Shoot, tonight? Just like it 17 was, at one point. Yeah, just an incredible amount. And they just couldn't score on them. It, and, again, it kind of goes back to what Honky was saying about football. It's just these little things that just they don't do well. They you know, we all know they don't shoot free throws well. And tonight, for example, against Maryland, their layups were terrible. It's just, <laughs> yes, you have opportunities to win these games. And they do some things right in them. If you could get it all together, there's potential for this team. It's just, this was a tough year and a heck of a hurdle to try to jump. But uh, there's cause for optimism, despite the record, I think, this year. I think the stat I saw tonight at one point, I don't know what it ended at, but at one point, uh, Maryland had a season-high 17 turnovers. And Dave, do you know how many points Nebraska scored off of those 17 turnovers? Uh, I guess, I don't know, like six or something like that. Four. Four. <laughs> you know I mean, yeah. So you're doing something right on one side, but you're just, it's not translating into what you need yeah. on the other side, right? I mean, that's, right. hey, there's, that's Husker football, that's Husker basketball, right? You know, it, it's got to work together cohesively. Mac, before we start recording, you kind of have mentioned that you have an interesting connection, actually, with this team. And actually, really, just in general, you've, gotten to watch a lot of sports during a pandemic year because of the job that you're in. You've, you've been on sidelines of football games and basketball games. You're going to a women's basketball game this weekend. Kind of talk to us a little bit about 
what that experience is like, especially when there's no fans in the crowd and, and it's quiet and you get to hear things and you're saying refs talking to players and coaches and all mm-hmm. that. Just what's that experience like? Yeah, it's it's different for sure. It because it, I've I've done it in years prior too when there's a crowd and the, you know there's just a lot of ambient noise and and then the energy in the place is different. And I, you know, looking at that. Illinois game. We have to get to these events pretty early, so I, I typically get to watch the warmups and watching the Illinois game. The warmups. I mean, that team is built. I mean, they they got a bunch of freak athletes, and you and their warm up is like nothing I've ever seen. It's a frenetic pace, a lot of energy, um, a lot of good feelings, and like there was just this series of them shooting threes, and it was just like bang, 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 bang. And I'm watching this going, man, we are in some trouble tonight. I mean, these guys are just on fire. I'm looking at our side, and we're just on foam rollers and just kind of relaxed. And <clears throat> we just don't look like they do. You know, like when Frost said, they, we, you know, talking about Iowa, how we don't look like they do. We don't look like Illinois. Mm-hmm. So then to come out and, and just immediately – you could just tell that Illinois was bothered by the effort that the Huskers were playing with, which is kind of an encouraging sign anyway. They just Mm -hmm. didn't expect them to be as pesky as they were on defense. Uh, But at the same time, and I I keep thinking about this when, when you take the crowd out of a basketball game, basketball's, you know, I really feel like that's a sport that truly feeds off a crowd noise more than most, you know, and because Illinois bench was, was really live. I mean, they had a lot of hooping and hollering when things would go right for them. They were, very loud and the only counter to that was our bench and so when things were really kind of flip and that game was getting really interesting and the huskers actually had momentum to think about pba which Mm -hmm. you know is just a great venue for basketball to think what the crowd would have been like in those moments and how difficult it would have made some of those free throws that illinois got to shoot that we didn't and so and and see how that pressure would have affected that team i'm not saying Mm -hmm. necessarily we win that game but I'm saying we probably win that game. You know, we play at that same level. I think that's totally possible. Mac, that was a top 10 team that we were playing. And Dave, when's the last time we beat a top 10 team at home at PBA? I'm going to guess it was no sit Sunday. No sit Sunday. And to your point there, Mac, I think that crowd had a little bit of effect on that day. And it could have done the same thing on Friday. But continue on with your... It's it's fascinating to watch. And the energy from our bench was was good as well. I'm not trying to say that they weren't they weren't matching Illinois. And that was another thing that I thought was really encouraging. It's interesting when you take... They pump in some crowd noise, but it's not super loud. So you get to hear the the talk between the refs and you get to hear... You know, Fred yelling at the guys that, you know, what to do in it and watching it play out. It, it It's a lot of fun. I mean, I know Beller's going to be listening to this and be just kind of irritated with me <laughs> because, because he's a humongous uh, basketball. He would just love it. And, and, and this year, too, because there's no crowd, like I am courtside. I am so close to it. I mean, sometimes my job is really fun, you know, and like that's one of those times like I just get a, to be there and watch this. And I and I it, it does not escape me how lucky I am to do that. But um, when you see – when you hear about a team that's had to sit off this long because of an illness that can really zap your strength, energy, and wind, and you see your your sideline showing energy and you see the defensive effort and, you know, sometimes we don't play smart basketball. Fred said that a lot of times and that's really true. And the free throws are maddening and all that and sometimes – Sometimes we make layups look like half court shots. I don't get that either. <laughs> but there's a lot to like about this team. And I'm sure in in some of the times when the effort's maximum and they're actually hitting shots that aren't even unreasonable to hit. Like I'm not talking about making miracle shots. I'm talking about taking open jumpers and making them. You could see where we could compete in games with other really good Big Ten teams. So that's that's all really encouraging. 
Well, Dave, you're our basketball analyst on the Redcast, and uh, what would be some of the things, you know, based off of what you've seen from the team these last couple games, what are some of the things you'd want Mac to be specifically looking for and listening to uh, at his next game that, you know, when he's right there on the sideline, right next to the team and, and watching and listening to the game? Oh, uh, that's a, that's a fun question. I, I, I'm not quite for sure. Um, what Horberg is saying when they're uh, missing layups, I suppose, <laughs> probably. I mean, yeah, the positive and negative of this, uh, you know, little run after the COVID break. I mean, the defensive performances have been great. So I would be interested to hear if Doc Sadler is, is yelling down from his like, you know, position <laughs> on high to you know, give them direction because they seem to be playing better defense, which is, made them more competitive. It's also been interesting to see uh, the offense be a little bit different here, more set plays, I think, a little less. I mean, we only scored 50 points tonight versus Maryland. We still struggle to score the ball, and it's, it's not really a Hoiberg offense at this present moment, but it they're more competitive because of what mm-hmm. they're doing. And um, all jokes aside, it, it's still confounding to me that Hoiberg and uh, Matt, Abdel Massey have, have not been able to find really good shooters. It, it seems like he, on paper, the guys that they brought in are really good shooters. And then they get here and somehow <laughs> we can't make free throws. We can't make three pointers and we miss layups. Um, that has to get fixed and fixed very soon for this to start to work. Sadler got a lot of credit, rightfully so, with the uh, defensive performances that the team has had over the last couple of nights. And I tweeted out tonight, I go, he got a lot of credit for the strategy he, he implemented on the defense. I think we're seeing some of the Sadler strategy on the offense, and that's part of the <laughs> That's right. You know, it's it's not looking much different than 10, 15 years ago. We're scoring 50 points a game. But, you know, we're we're competitive right now. That's certainly a start. Also, when you think about personnel-wise, what we had at the beginning of the season with our bigs, and, you know, we were playing Latmayan out of position most of the time for those first, you know, five, ten games. Well, now the emergence of Andre at center. I mean, he's st- you know, he played a lot of minutes tonight. Derek Walker, it sounds like he had some kind of illness a little bit the second half. That's why they weren't playing him tonight in, in the second half. But, I mean, Andre, you know, he's not a big built guy, but he's tall and long, and he takes up space, and he alters shots and everything. I mean, those guys are difference makers. And, and Walker specifically on the offensive side – Man, we need him out there. It, we get more assist when he's on the court. He's just the offense flows better when Derek Walker is playing. Yeah, abs- absolutely. It's uh, a marketed difference, honestly. And speaking of big guys, we got another one committed, and uh, we got Blaze Kita Kita. Again, I'm terrible with names. Uh, it's from Molly, I believe. From Molly, <laughs> uh, which is just east of uh, Montana, I believe. And he's 6'10", 235, top Juco from Coffeyville Community College in Kansas there. So uh, he – now, he's interesting because he'll have three seasons to play, but he's not eligible until 2022. So he's not going to be on the team next year even. He still has like another year of Juco. Oh, barf. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, that's great. I, I'm sorry. That's great. <laughs> but he, he chose in you over other offers from Baylor, Minnesota, Tennessee, Arizona State, Oklahoma State. So, you know, obviously some, some schools that have some pretty good names out there. And when you think of maybe how it plays out, I, I know we're waiting for him, but next year with Andre back and Walker back, and I don't, you know, we still have Ivan next year. 
Boy, I'll tell you what, man. He seems like he's almost getting recruited over a little bit right now with with Walker and and Andre playing. I don't know, Dave. Do you see that, or am I? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I had that comment last year. I I, I like Ivan a, a lot, but it's hard to teach explosiveness, uh, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember seeing some some videos of him, you know, dunking and and things in the off season and. He still just doesn't have that vertical that you see other maybe six eight six nine guys of his body type have, and it, he just doesn't play above the rim very well, mm-hmm. and that really hurts his rebounding and his ability yeah. to score around the bucket. He's not he's not twitchy. Yeah, he's not twitchy. You know, he can jump, but he's not twitchy. He needs he nope. needs a buildup. Yep, mm-hmm. that's right. And so yeah, I think he can continue to be a valuable part of the team. Um, but I, I don't know if he's going to grow exponentially from here on out. But it, to your point of uh, the recruit, um, I, I, I don't can't even recall his name, Honk, but uh, that type of, of body type, 6'10", but really long, a 7-foot-plus reach. Um, you know, I've heard a lot, of, like Sipple, for example. I love Stephen M. Sipple to death. He's obsessed with us having a uh, Kofi... Coburn type uh, center. We have to have the seven foot big guy, right? Um, I don't think Hoyerberg really wants that, even though Kofi Coburn is an amazing player for Illinois. Um, and the Big Ten has other big guys like that, true centers. Um, but a 6'10 guy typically can, with a long reach, can defend a, a seven footer, um, but also can stretch the, the defense when he's uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Um, uh, maybe a threat from three point can actually run all the things that Hoiberg wants to see in his offense. So I think that's the type of five that you'll see in the Hoiberg offense going forward. You know, not to relate everything back to football, but who are we kidding? That's that's really all I know. <laughs> what we do, but we talk a lot about Frost having that statement about the Big Ten adjusting to him, and then we've talked about his counters getting bigger and tight end play and wide receiver play. I wonder with. With the Big Ten, if Hoiberg's going to have to adjust a little bit of what he wants as far as, as personnel and position size. Because, man, watching Illinois, watching Coyburn play, it's so physical down there. I mean, it is so about size and power and moving around. And we are just too undersized. And I've seen that in a few games. You almost wonder if at some point he's going to have to address that with some bigger size. So like you said, Dave, this is maybe more that not quite a Big Ten size five but certainly bigger than what we've seen. I wonder if we'll grow more into that role or not, or if that's if that's something that Hoiberg will value or not. Because it does seem to help the spacing of the court a lot more when you've got somebody who can who can grind and pound down low. Because we certainly don't try to rebound our own shots. I've never seen us follow a shot once. We shoot a ball and immediately run to the other. No, side. I, I noticed that this tonight's game, uh, Mac, as you mentioned that last show. But, you know, yeah, I just feel like, I mean, honestly, if you look at the NBA and many other high-level uh, Division One basketball programs, they don't play with a traditional back-to-the-basket big man any longer. You still have tall guys that can, can go down low and rebound, etc., but it's not a traditional five um, in the sense that what we're seeing out of Luca Garza at Iowa right. or uh, Kofi Coburn at Illinois. Um, so I think... I, I feel like Hoiberg would push back on that. We have to have that that type of player per se. Do we need to be bigger than Derek Walker's six foot eight? Absolutely. But um, even you've seen how Derek Walker at six eight can compete down low mm-hmm. um, and and harass him like Kofi Coburn. Um, I, I think you have to 
look at it from an X's and O's standpoint. And the reasoning that that Horberg likes his kind of like five-out offense is it puts stresses on the other team that has a traditional big man who cannot cover your big man, who can run all over the floor, and he's going to wear that guy out, right? Um, and so it's, a, it's the opposite, right? You know. So yeah, and this is just my ignorance. So I'm asking. So you would contend that if 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 a Hoiberg offense was running properly, not necessarily with the 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 type of five that we were just discussing, it could still be effective in the Big Ten enough to at least get you to the NCAA tournament and compete there. Like if, yeah, if it absolutely. Was along. Okay. To tell to tell you what, Mac. I know you don't watch a lot of NCAA basketball. Who's the uh, big post player for Baylor or Gonzaga this year? Uh, I mean. It could be. They don't. Shack. They don't, I don't know. They don't have it. <laughs> they don't, they don't okay, have okay. it. But the premise of this that Max saying is that you go back to Frost statement. It's it's having the Big Ten adjust. Well, right now, to your point, Dave, maybe that's not happening at Gonzaga and, and Baylor, but it seems to be happening at Illinois. It seems to be happening at Iowa. Purdue always seems to have six, seven footers on the team, right? So in the conference that we play, which is the bulk of our games and and what we need to get through to get to those NCAA tournaments, is that something where are we having to adjust to the conference? If we were playing Baylor every night because we were in the Big 12, I agree with you. And if that's what Hoiberg was doing, he came from Iowa State. But if we, in the Big 10, are we going to have to do something different because we're in the Big 10? Does the Big 10 play a style of ball that requires that? I mean, Michigan State's been the most consistent Big 10 team roster-wise in and out for the last two decades. Who's the biggest like post-presence five guy that you can know for Michigan State? Oh, you're asking the wrong guy. I have no idea. Let me let me ask you this way then: Would would Hoiberg's uh, tournament teams at Iowa State be tournament teams if they played in the Big Ten? I think so because they're okay. way better shooter teams than Nebraska has right now under Hoiberg. Right? But, I mean, going through a Big Ten schedule, you think they'd be fine? and They'd still go dancing? Yeah, I think there'd be some matchup problems at times, but we'd also create matchup problems on the other side, right? Uh-huh. And okay. so, I mean, you look at uh, someone like Michigan State. I just mentioned. I mean, one of the more more well-known um, post-presence players, I guess, in Michigan State would have, would be uh, Draymond Green, right? But okay. Draymond's like sure. 6'9", and can do everything, right? Um, but he was a big guy, physical, could could play defense versus a 7-footer because he's he's got the... the the build to do that, but he could also go out and hit a three-pointer, right? I mean, that's the... Right? And so Michigan State is the most successful Big Ten program in the last 20 years, and you can't name a seven-footer that's ever played for Michigan State because they just don't recruit them. And so, I mean, for us suddenly to think that we have to have a Luca Garza or a Kofi Coburn is an overreaction to having a couple of really big guys in the league right now. Okay. Right? I mean, do we need big 6'9", 6'10", power four type guys? But, yeah, yeah. But those guys can also um, hit a three-pointer and run the floor. Okay. All right. That's my take. I'm with it. Just curious, one last question. Is it easier to get six nine guys that can bang and, and shoot three pointers and run the floor, or is it easier to get that one seven footer? At this point from a recruiting standpoint. Well actually I think it's easier to get the six nine, six ten guy. They're becoming more and more common. It's still hard to find seven footers. Um they're pretty rare. Um good seven footers. Um so I would I would say that we'll have better success getting the um, you know, well-built six nine six ten guy um, over the seven two guy. That's actually exceptional. That's good. That's important. You've got mail. Hi, mailman. Oh! I can't believe I'm gonna be a mailman. 
What's in the bag? A shark or something? It's another week of the mailbag, and we'll try to go through these fairly quickly here. We've already been talking for a while, but I uh, want to start off with a question from coworker Eric, and this is going to be for you, Dave. He said he just wants to know if the Big Ten has decided to actually play a sport that one of its member schools was a game from winning the national championship in the last time it was played. I'll hang up and listen. Thanks. Yeah, we're all uh, hanging up and listening right now there, coworker Eric. We're... Uh... Waiting on pins and needles to uh, hear of a baseball schedule. Nothing official has come out, even though the team has been practicing. Uh, there has been definitely see some, some some rumors out there that have quite a bit of traction. Uh, I think some of the rivals guys, as well as uh, you know, I was listening to uh, Gary Sharp uh, interview Tom Chattel this uh, this afternoon on his show, and it seems like. Um, the best sources of information are telling us the Huskers are going to be playing down in Round Rock, Texas uh, in the weekend of March 5th. So that first weekend of March, uh, supposedly, uh, the baseball team will be playing other Big Ten teams. It's all all conference games, but we are playing down in Texas. Now, if you're familiar, the softball uh, conference schedule came out a couple weeks ago, and they're playing down in Florida we thought maybe that was another thing that they're looking at for baseball, but it's it's Texas apparently. Week two supposedly is in Minnesota in the dome, again playing Big Ten teams. So um, if it's anything like that softball schedule again, we might have um, you know uh, two game series versus three or four opponents um, in that in the first two weeks or something of that variation. So we're Waiting to see an official announcement, but supposedly that's the that's the story. Well, as you mentioned, that uh, we're going to be playing an all conference schedule. How are some of the other conferences? What are they doing right now? We're still waiting to get our schedule, but aren't other conferences already starting to play, or very soon at least? Yes, that is correct. They are playing here um, really this weekend, I believe, and uh, there are playing non conference games all across the country. Uh, most. Uh, Conferences are playing a pretty regular um, slate of games with a mix of uh, non-conference games early, conference games later with midweek games thrown in there, um, probably completing a full 56-game schedule or close to it. Um, Big Ten teams are only going to play probably 44 games, apparently. Maybe, I guess maybe with if they're starting on March 5th, they might get 48 in. I don't know. Um so it, we seem to be playing at a disadvantage. We also don't have any uh, comparable um, matchups against our non-con. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens when it comes to tournament time. So, so the Big Ten's bungling this up a little bit. Uh, it's a but, disaster. Uh, so I, mean, bo- I don't know how Boomer could describe it. but Well, Boomer, you know, is the Big Ten doing anything to socially distance the players on the field? Are they changing any of the baseball rules so that guys, you know, aren't lined up right next to each other, any contact? I mean, how are they doing yeah, this? Yeah, I, I think they're demanding it be played in cricket stadiums just to increase the, <laughs> the distance between everybody. I think the ball so, gets yeah. wiped down in between each transaction. So if third base catches a grounder, you know, and they stop play, the, the runner has to stop you know, halfway to first base, they wipe the ball down, and then he throws it and he picks up a running again. That's that's what I've heard. And the catcher has to be an additional 10 feet behind the batter, so. 
Yeah, umpires are in the in the stands. Actually, I think so. Uh, balls and strikes should be interesting. <laughs> Is there something particularly difficult about scheduling baseball games? No, no I mean, like, because no. it doesn't. I don't feel like with baseball, there's much of a detriment to the team in terms of scouting. I mean, I assume the other team's going to try to throw strikes and get on base and, <laughs> and score runs, and I assume the other team's going to try to catch the ball when it's hit at him. And you know, that probably doesn't change much from team to team. I know I'm, I, I know I'm minimizing that a little bit, but I just don't get it. I don't get what what the challenge is. It's like, like they're actively trolling Big Ten fans at this point. I mean, is this Barry Alvarez having fun with you know the fact his program doesn't have a team or what? Uh, yeah, I mean, well, yeah, yeah, that's what we said last week. It's just Kevin Warren asked, you know, Alvarez, hey, do we play baseball around here? And got an answer of no. So okay, I guess they forgot about it. So, yeah. <laughs> Not since the 70s. <laughs> well, you know, Evan Bland of the World Herald, he posted something on February 15th. He said, today's fun fact, Nebraska has played actual baseball games on this date or earlier in five of the last eight seasons. Last year on February 15th, the Huskers were playing their second game at Baylor. No official schedule yet for the spring. So, I mean, that's just to kind of give a perspective of where we're at in the year right now from a normal season. Yeah, the fact that we're past when we would normally even be playing – and we don't even have a schedule yet. That's where it gets to be ridiculous. Well, thank How you, awesome Cole. for Will Bolt, though. You're like, zero hot seat for over a year. <laughs> I'm like, not one single thing can be said wrong about him. It's fantastic. Greatest coach That's ever. That's right. Uh, well, thank you, co-worker Eric. That was a great question. Uh, next is uh, we're going to go with Mac here. And this is uh, from, I think, a, a new person to the mailbag, Scotty. He had a couple of questions here. He goes, which currently under-the-radar players should we be keeping an eye on in each position group when spring practice gets started? Now, a little disclaimer, we're, we're not going to answer that tonight because that's going to be part of some of the future shows that we do in the lead-up to spring ball. But he had a fun question here, Mac, that I thought you'd enjoy. He said, sub-question, player most likely to be the spring game star, in, mm. in quotes. Because, as you know, every year it's mandatory. We have to have a spring game star. Oh, was it Cooper Jewett? Was that the guy that – who was the kid that came in for just like two – Yeah, that Jack something. knew. The, the Elkhorn South kid came in Jewett for one carry. right? Yeah. Yeah, against Purdue. Yeah, he'll get he'll get a run. He'll he'll get a run because that's that's exactly the type of spring game hero we usually get. Um, not that that's bad or anything. It's just he'll – you know, that'll be the guy that, you know, the coaches keep bringing up. And you're like, well, okay, but what about Ramir Johnson? Oh, okay, well, what about Ronald Thompson? Is he healthy? But he'll keep saying do it, you know. And that's fine. I, those are those are always fun spring game conversations. On the defensive side, well, that's a really good question. You know, because in years past it would have been like, um, oh, Reed Carroll or somebody like that. I, I, I'm trying to think on defense who it might be. I would say Gifford, but I actually think Gifford's going to make a run this year. I think he's going to mm-hmm. be in the conversation, but it still could be. You know, local yeah. local seems to be a, a big part of that for the for the rivals guys out there. They really like to jump on those guys. So I'm looking forward <laughs> to see who they pick. We'll we'll find out. We'll find out soon enough. Yeah, I love the idea of the running back being one of them, especially in a year where we're going to have six six scholarship running backs. In spring, and it, it, it's going to be not one of those six. It'll right. be somebody it, else it, at the you same know, it'd be position. like Brody Belt. You know, like Brody yeah, Belt gets run. Exactly. Like, like we shouldn't know who Brody Belt is, really, but like we do because we're Husker <laughs> fans, and those are the guys that get talked about. So it'll be Absolutely. Brody Belt esque. There you go. I'll take a Brian Knuckles again. That would be great. I know, man. That's... Brian Knuckles was the truth. He was the truth. <laughs> speaking of coffee, <laughs> speaking of Coffeeville transfers. 
There you go. <laughs> well, thank you very much, uh, Sky. Great question. Uh, next up, Salvasta, and this goes to you, Boomer. He said, I think most people assume there will be fans in the stands this fall if the Big Ten administration doesn't get in the way. Big if. Uh, do you think it will be full capacity or reduced? And if reduced, what's your percentage? Uh, gee, man, fall is like an eternity, as we learned this last year, how long a single year can take and so many things can change. Uh, I mean, I'll be kind of surprised if it's full capacity, you know, even at that point, just just for safety's sake, I think, for, you know, on everybody's part, they'll play it a little more uh, risk-averse, I suppose. But, uh, oh, geez, if I got to throw a percentage on it, let's just say maybe 50%. Uh, basing it on absolutely nothing other than my... I think I skimmed a Wikipedia article on, you know, viral transmissions once. So let's go with that. So. <laughs> 50%, 50% not including uh, sweets. Correct. Right. Yeah. Well, th- that'll be 100%, of course. You know, right. Yeah, right. They're, I mean, they're, they're, they're different than most people. Better. Now, you know, that's yeah. interesting. Do you think there is a chance that we could be at full capacity, too? I mean, it's certainly possible. I mean, like I said, if, you know, if vaccination rates go up and things pretty well tamp down over the summer and there doesn't. Uh, you know, I guess the risk is kind of this last time around, you know, fall, you kind of saw an uptick again when students come back and school goes back in. And But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's certainly possible you could see, a, you know, open stadiums altogether. I mean, not out of the realm of possibility. I mean, so many things can change between then and now. All right. Well, thank you, Sal, for that question. Uh, the last one we're going to go around the table with here, and this is uh, from our favorite mailbagger, Richard Fitzwell. And uh, he said, in regards to Husker football, he goes, what are we talking about next year at this time? Uh, Boomer, I'm going to start with you. Uh, 12 months from now, we're done with year four frost. What's the discussion? Oh, man. Well, first off, you know, where do we put the $5 bits of broken chair and the Freedom Trophy <laughs> and the Heroes Trophy and whatever the heck you win for the national title these days? I like where you're going. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I might just be waking nice. up from the national championship celebration at this point. I mean, it'll only be a few weeks, you know, or a month afterwards. So, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah I, I, let's go with something like that. Let's think positive, right? Right, Hockey? That's your approach. It's your dream, man. That's the, There's nothing wrong with that. Mac, how about you? Yeah, it's going to be a combination of things. I'm thinking about pledging to lose five pounds per victory next year. <laughs> so we could be talking about my weight, or we could be talking <laughs> about my my weight gain. Or we could also be talking about what round we think Adrian Martinez, or how high in the first round Adrian Martinez is going to be drafted next year. That's how I'd like to think about it. He comes out, has a banner year, um, rips it up. That, that's where I'd like to be sitting. What I'd rather not be talking about is culture. I know that for sure. Oh, I don't geez, want to be yeah. talking about culture. Yeah. How about you, uh, Dave? Well, we could be talking about a really strong culture, right? I guess that'd be a positive <laughs> thing after a you know a, a eight and four season or something like that. You know, I mean, to Boomer's point, if we could win a couple of those um, West Division trophy games, that sure be nice. So um, maybe giving um, an Oklahoma, Ohio State you know, a scare, that'd be good. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm saying we're, we're positive thinking that things, everything is going in the right direction. Yeah. You know, well, we're defending division champs at that point. And, <laughs> you know, we're talking about extensions to all the coaches, uh, contracts for us getting a big extension there too and everything. And, uh, we just signed all those in-state kids <laughs> that uh, we're concerned about right now, maybe not getting in here. All, they're all coming here, right, because uh, we had such a great season. That's the kind of things I'd like to think. And then, you know, how we're going to, you know, beat Oklahoma 
for a second season in a row when they come back to Lincoln. That's you know my vision. That's where we're that's where we're talking about twelve months from now. That's right. They had a four game winning streak in basketball. You know. Like, oh yeah. You know. So at this point, you know who knows. Bryce Bryce McGowan's having you know uh, freshman of the year talk. Oh yeah, and a baseball season that's already you know started. I mean that's the kind of stuff that we're gonna hear. On the Redcast on February 18th, you know, 2020. Defending it's, national championship it's volleyball so team. Oh. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be a great year, folks. 2021. Uh, team of the decade. <laughs> That's right. Well, uh, thank you, Sal. Thank you, Richard. Thank you, Scotty and coworker Eric. Uh, you, too, can uh, submit your questions to the Go Big Redcast at GoBigRedcast at gmail.com. Or you can always uh, DM, text, whatever us. At Go Big Redcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Back to you, Dave. All right, good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, are we ready for our uh, parting shots? Ready as we'll ever be. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's start with uh, Boomer this week. Uh, first off, we'll take the honky approach. Got a couple things. Uh, first thing, honky, I went and broke down some uh, LSU special teams from uh, this last season, and uh, I'm sorry to tell you, they did use the the. Uh, shield punt formation, so you know your your heart is broken there. So, damn it, that's just that's just the trend in college ball. The rules, the rules encourage that, so teams will take advantage of it. So that that might be here to stay, unfortunately. But and and the other thing, I know we joked earlier about uh, you know the cold weather here. Um, you know, however, in other states, they're not having it quite as lucky as we are. You know, Dave, you and I both lived in Texas for quite a while, and you know, states like that aren't quite as well equipped. To handle you know weather like this and you know we're all familiar with it on the news you know and the things that are going on there and you know some people i know on online you know they've had a couple days without power and it's a serious issue i mean when it's this freaking cold you have houses that aren't built for this it's it's quite a danger so you know keep those people in your thoughts here everyone so i know it's it's easier for us northern types to you know look at winter and laugh but uh it's a serious issue for a lot of people that is that is very true they are not used to this whatsoever uh, all right, uh, Mac. Yeah, I'll just piggyback off of what Boomer just talked about. I encourage all the Redcasters in these cold weather states to uh, keep a full tank of gas during this time of year and a blanket, maybe some car hearts in the in the car as well. You will never be dis- you'll never regret it, and uh, it, it may just save your life. All right, I mean, I, I'll talk to you guys about. High coyote alerts. I want to talk to you about <laughs> high high wind chill alerts as well. I'm 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 concerned for you guys. I want you listening every week, and I want you to get home safe. All right, all right, good stuff. All right, honk, get us out of here. Well, I only have one this week, uh, and it was a tweet from a uh, Husk guys, and it was just too good. We had to retweet it, and we posted it to our Facebook and Instagram as well. But uh, they they posted something yesterday, and it was. We, uh, it was a quote from Kevin Warren. We have decided to move the football season to the spring with games starting in February. And that's his quote from back in whatever, August. And uh, they had a little graphic of the temperature that day. And it was negative 21 degrees Fahrenheit. So <laughs> that uh, – <laughs> so well done, us guys. And a perfect uh, description of why it was such a dumb idea to think that we should be playing Big Ten football in the winter. Absolutely, absolutely. Hey, you know, Luke and uh, Wandell typically is a team, though, honk, so. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, maybe not. I don't know. Uh, All right, guys. Uh, Good stuff, good stuff. Uh, You know, there's not a lot on our our show rundown, honk, and we still talk for a couple hours. So that's what the Redcast does. That's what we do. You're welcome. All right, guys. Great show. (laughs) 
Let's call that a Go Big Redcast. GBR. A Huda Media Production.